Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. Failure is not an option. It always pays to tell the truth. I'm very disappointed. You better mind your manners, boy. Is that the best you can do? Why don't you watch your manners? I'm Jim Burns. When we were kids, it seemed like our parents were way too strict. I mean, they were probably old-fashioned, and the generation gap between us and them made us vow that we were going to be much, much cooler when we became parents. Well, the time has come, and now our own kids have a lot more advantages, opportunities, and privileges than we ever had. At least that's what we think. So why does it seem that our kids have a much more difficult time respecting boundaries than we did when we were their age? Or does it just seem that way? Well, during the next half hour, Dr. John Townsend joins me once again as we continue our great discussion on a most important topic, boundaries and teens, when to say yes and how to say no. So keep it right here on Homeward. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert, Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh. If you are the parent of a teen or a preteen, you have tuned to the right place. During the next half hour, you're going to hear part two of Dr. Jim Burns' continuing conversation with John Townsend, the author of the Boundaries series, co-authored with Henry Cloud, and author of a fine book for teens called Boundaries and Teens. And if you're a parent of a teenager or a pre-teenager and you're tearing your hair out every day because you're wondering why your kids won't respect your boundaries, well, like I said, you've tuned to the right place. Pay close attention now. Here we have part one of today's program with Dr. Jim Burns. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today is day two of a great conversation we're having with really one of my favorite guests. His name is John Townsend, and we're talking about boundaries with your teens. He's the best-selling co-author of the book Boundaries. He's also the author of a great book called Who's Pushing Your Buttons, which we've had on this program as well. Uh, Heard often on the great radio program called New Life Live. Lives in Southern California with his wife, Barbie, and two teenage sons. Welcome back. Thanks, Jim. I'm anxious to continue to have uh, our conversation. Last time, I just felt like we just got started talking about Boundaries with Teens. It's a great new book. It's just out right now. Boundaries with Teens, When to Say Yes, How to Say No. You know, this program maybe has never had Ozzy Osbourne quoted, but I want to quote Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) It's in your book. The mistake that Sharon and I both made was that, and we agree on this, he said, we never set any boundaries. It's not just Ozzy Osbourne who hasn't set boundaries. It is not just Ozzy. You know, that was a quote from when his son had to go into rehab. And the, the reason I chose this one is because um, so many people really see boundaries as being hurtful to the kid or too controlling, and I don't want to be that kind of parent. But you look at the research, you look at the Bible, and you look at teen development, and children, especially teens, need really healthy structures, and that's where boundaries come from. Well, let's talk about boundaries. You obviously have a book called Boundaries, which has been a very bestseller. This, Boundaries with Teens, it's the same kind of thing. We, we have kids that are moving from dependence to independence, and yet at the same time, we as parents have to set boundaries. Not easy for the teen or for the parent. How, how do you begin if you kind of feel like you're a little bit out of control in the family? Well, the place to begin, as, as I say in the book, is you've got to be a boundary. And so if you realize that you're kind of like, you know, blessed are the doormats, they shall experience the heels. If you're an easy pushover, uh, before you come in and say to the kids, I'm going to read the Riot Act, here's my you know, 95 rules, you may want to talk to some trusted friends and say, tell me the truth. Right. Is, 
is it hard for me to say no? And they'll go, yeah, you'll, everybody take advantage of you at work and, and your marriage and all this. And get some work done because I promise you, the kid is going to push whatever limit you think you have further than you ever dreamed. So you've got to kind of be an oak tree. Get a lot of people who are around you who say, it's okay to say no. No is a way to love somebody. You haven't become a mean person. And that will really help you for some of the conflicts. But the important thing to remember is it's not forever. So many parents say, I'm just going to give up. But they, the kids escalate for a while if you've never really set a lot of boundaries. But sooner or later, they see the benefits of it. Like, life is more ordered. I feel more self-control. So it's not forever. Give me an illustration of healthy boundaries in a family. Well, when you look at a family, there's always components. If you look at like a family as a cake and a recipe, there's certain elements of that that all good families have. One of those things is, is engagement, where people are connected. But another one of the things is, is that there are rules... And not mean rules, but reasonable rules of conduct so that people aren't hurt and that people take their jobs and people have their tasks. So let me give you kind of like a transcendent family boundary and then a really practical one. The transcendent one is we don't do immoral stuff in our family. That's not okay. We are a zero-tolerance drug family. And if my kid is smoking pot, it's not that he's not smoking much. That's not okay. That's a black and white transcendent rule, which is not right. There's another rule, which is you're going to learn how to do your own laundry. <laughs> in our family, um, that's one thing we do um, as the Joneses is that we learn that that's important. And if you don't do your own laundry, then you'll have smelly clothes. But if you don't care about that, we'll go another route, and then you'll lose your iPod or you'll lose your video games or you might lose social things that we're going to start to set consequences. Now, a boundary is the rule. A consequence is the enforcer of the rule, and you must have both. When you have a consequence, how do you measure the consequence? I mean, I've done things in my own parenting where I've, I've made a consequence that was really too, too much for the problem. Like um, it was a misdemeanor offense and you did a felony ex- enforcement. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you know what, what is the right kind of a consequence to set? Well, there's several ways to do it, but the, the rule of thumb that works the best is you start off with the least amount possible. I mean, there are some kids that are kind of tenderhearted and sensitive, and all they need is a little bit of correction. Mm-hmm. And you just say... That disrespect was out of line. Don't don't talk like that to your mom or, you know, you're going to lose some privilege. And the kid kind of snaps, too, like, okay. Then there's some kids that are more hard-headed. In fact, I think most teens are more hard-headed than that. And so you raise the ante. It's, it's sort of like when you go to um, what, what Jesus said about relationships. In Matthew 18, if your brother sins, bring, you know, go to him. And then bring two or three if he doesn't listen. Then bring the whole church. There's an escalation of pain, really, and discomfort that matches the person. And so start off gentle with the child and then just say, you choose how far we take this. Now, you talked about uh, two words that you know always get the attention of everybody, sexuality, drug, and alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. Every time I've ever spoken to parents, I think I've had a parent come up to me, and I'm sure it's the same with you, John, and they say, well, should I tell them about my past? You know, I was sexually promiscuous. My husband and I were sexually promiscuous before we were married. Our kids don't know that. Now we're asking them to be sexually abstinent. We're setting some boundaries in this area. Should I tell them about what we did or not? What's your, what's your answer to that? Well, when I get those questions, then the next question is, and my kid's pushing me to know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, do I have to do my standard if you didn't do your standard? Right. And I think uh, it depends on the kid. I mean, a really healthy kid, I think maybe they can handle the information. But I think in the main, it gets the focus off the child's responsibility for themselves. So I tell most parents, unless you have a really unusual child, you just say, maybe we can talk about that when you're out of the house and grown up. 
I want to get back to you because it's basically a diversion. It's not real. I've just never seen that many teenagers that said, I want to know what they did because I want to emulate them. It's more like, what can I get away with? So I just say, look, we'll talk about my, my life when we're both adults. Right now, here's our standard, and here's what's going to happen if you don't keep it. Good, good input. Integrated uh, parent. You talk about integrated parent. We've talked about it already, but help us understand what an integrated parent looks like. Well, looks a lot like God. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 85 that he's full of righteousness and he's also full of peace. He has love and peace altogether in all of his compassion and his, his validation of us, but he also has standards because they're good for us and without standards life gets chaotic. And, and I really think that that's what our goal as parents should be, Jim, is you know, you got the extremes of the really harsh, you know, the swastika parent that's like, you know, all rules and kind of non-connected. And that's going to cause disheartment in the kid. And then you've got the Disneyland parent over here who just wants to have fun and wrestle and all this but never says the bad news. And then you've got the parent who does both but not at the same time, the split parent, we call them in the book, where one minute, you know, I'm just so much fun, and then I'm going to raise the roof because you, you ran, ran me over, which really we're training the child. I'll, I'll have no limits, and then I'm all limits. And it's, it's really a crazy experience for the child. What you want to be is full of both at all times. I totally love you. I want to have all the fun in the world with you, but we have rules, and the rules don't go away while we're having fun. I think there's a word that describes that, consistency. Exactly. And we need to be consistent. Now, at the same time, you describe many families where the man is the swastika parent, the woman is the Disneyland, Disneyland. parent, or vice versa. What do you do in that situation when they just can't see eye to eye? You know, the, the adolescents understand this. Well, what I always tell couples is, somebody's going to have to be humble and bend the knee. And you've got to put whatever your differences are with yourselves and your own styles, you've got to bend the knee to the child's welfare. And so be the most integrated person you can be and go to your swastika husband and say, I don't like the harshness, but I need your structure. Help me with structure because I'm kind of loosey-goosey. And swastika guy, you go to your wife and say, uh, you know what, I don't like the fact that you show up late for everything and you overspend and you, you know, nothing happens and the place, place is always a mess. But, you know, you're so loving and so, so compassion. Help me there. And then the next question I get sometimes is those hard cases where somebody says, well, I've tried that. And the person's not interested or we're divorced. And so I'm the only one that gets this. I'm the only one that's really after consistency. And the tendency is to say, I'll be the opposite of what my husband or wife or ex is. So if they're the Nazi, I'll fill the kids with fun because I feel so guilty. Or if they're, you know, the, the fun part, then I'll have all the structure and they've got to, you know, clean shoes twice a day. And I always tell them, don't do that either because that's really crazy making for the child. Be, you be integrated because that child is going to have at least one parent who's full of love and full of rules. There are good rules. And they are taking that in so that they use that later as a model for themselves of what love looks like. So don't react. Be healthy. That's what a healthy parent looks like. When we come back, I want to ask you what a healthy adolescent looks like and if that's actually possible. We're John Townsend. We're talking about Boundaries with Teens, and his book is called Boundaries with Teens, When to Say Yes, How to Say No. It's kind of an oxymoron. We'll be right back. Good conversation today here on the Homeward Broadcast, and so glad that you are a part of it. You're hearing part two of Dr. Jim Burns' two-part conversation with Dr. John Townsend on Boundaries and Teens. John, the author of the book, Boundaries with Teens, He's written a lot of books with boundaries in the title, and they're all good. We all recommend them if you'd like to learn. We recommend all of them, I should say. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. John Townsend's writings, go to homeward.com and the radio listings where it says guest Dr. John Townsend. Just hit the link. It takes you right to his website, and you can learn more about his material as well. And thank you for your prayers and faithful financial support of the Ministry of Homeward. We're in December now and coming up on the end of the year. could really appreciate your uh, financial support, a gift of any amount. 
in the support of the Ministry of Homeward, you can send it to us through the mail to Post Office Box 1600, San Juan Capistrano, California, the zip code 92693. I'm Jim Burns with today's Homeward Snapshot. Dude, my parents took away my cell. How come? Because I haven't paid the bill. Oh. I have to pay them 200 bucks to get it back. That's fair. No, it isn't, man. It's just wrong. Well, there's a tendency to want to protect our kids from the consequences of their poor choices. But the reality is, that's not always the wise thing to do. Well, I'm Jim Burns from Homeward. When kids experience the consequences of their actions, they actually learn a very valuable lesson about the wisdom of making good choices. And if they don't, they'll keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Consistency is key when it comes to the tough love necessary for your kids to experience the consequences of a poor decision. Show them that you love them no matter what, but if they make a bad choice, they'll have to own up to the negative consequences of their actions. It's the very best way to learn. Well, I'm Jim Burns with something to think about from Homeward.com. Welcome back to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. John Townsend with us talking about boundaries with teens. And, uh, you know, in between our conversations, we just keep on talking. I have such great respect for John and his work. Um, I've probably read most every book he's written, maybe every book. And I not only appreciate his uh, his writing and his theory, but just the person that he is. Great, great person. So what a privilege for us to have John on Homeward today and just kind of have him as our uh, counselor, if you would. Right before the break, we've been talking about what kind of an integrated, healthy parent looks like. But in your book, you also talk about what a healthy adolescent looks like. There are parents saying, yeah, right, let's you know, find me one. So. Well, you know, the research is kind of interesting there, but if you take a psychological profile of a disturbed person, it looks like that of a normal adolescent. <laughs> it's amazing? really true. And, and that has to do with the fact that adolescence is defined almost by what it's not than what it is. Hmm. They are not compliant. They are not kids who uh, want to obey the rules, all of the rules. They're not people who want to stay home and be in the nest. They are out there. God has created this period where they are supposed to be seeing their peers as like their new social support system and their new church and their new friends. And they're questioning and challenging your values and your thoughts. And we have to not look at that as bad, Jim. We have to look at that as necessary to, so they can own what values they have when they go to college or work or whatever. I see so many parents that are afraid of the child going through this normal period of questioning and challenging and seeing it as, as bad. And what happens then, if they shut that down, the child hits it later when the parent's not around to guide them and mentor them and walk them through that. In many ways, we, we can be the sanctuary of love and support in the midst of some of this transition, or they're going to have to go through it afterwards when that gets scarier. At, at such a high cost. So go through the brain damage now with them, <laughs> you know, and, and, and don't look for the child to say, Thank you. Rise up and call you blessed. Here's a latte in the morning because you have strict limits with me. Let them resent you. That's normal. But small price to pay for a kid that learns how to love and take responsibility and have a good job and find God on his own. Mm -hmm. Now, you say in your book that uh, kids are angry in adolescence. A lot of kids experience anger. Why and what do you do about it? 
Well, there's, there's, gosh, there's spiritual and emotional and, um, and biological reasons for that. They are revving up, Jim. <laughs> they have more energy, and they have more creative thought, and uh, their brain is more impulsive. It hasn't caught up. The, the judgment centers, as finding out neurologically, haven't caught up with the impulse centers. So naturally, when they hit reality with all this, and reality says, no, you've got a demerit, you're going to um, be late for school, or you're going to have to be in detention, you're going to be grounded, the anger is even greater because the, the push to not be stopped is so much greater. So not only that, but they're questioning God. They're questioning anybody with any rules because you have to remember their desire is absolute freedom. Now, as a parent, our natural desire is absolute control, and therein lies the rub. So you've got an angry person who hates your rules, and you have to be very calm and very kind and very understanding because we were all adolescents. Say, I understand this is not fun. This is grievous to you, and I will help you with this. However, the rules are the rules. Right. I feel your pain. However, this is the way <laughs> you're it's still going in timeout. In in your book, and we definitely don't have enough time to deal with all these, but you've got a whole section, twenty-five different problems, and you call them address common problems. And I'm just going to mention a couple of them. I'm going to mention name. And I want you to talk about it for a minute. First one, disrespect. Well, always the first one. Every parent I've ever talked to, a friend or counseling. That was kind of a seed that came out. And, and disrespect happens when um, all of a sudden the child um, does not see your authority and the chair you sit in as a place that they would like to give honor to. And um, there is, I think, kind of a healthy disrespect when the child is struggling with, can I have my own voice here and, and questioning, which, but you can do that respectfully. It shouldn't even say healthy disrespect because there's a respectful way to challenge. But then there's the other when the child is basically out to undermine and sabotage you. And that's when the parent needs to say, you can disagree with me, Sammy. You can be mad at me. You can really hate me for this period of time because I understand that. But you have to do it in a respectful way. There will be no slamming doors, no bad language to me, no yelling at me. And I want to help you specifically learn a way to become your own person, but it can't be a way that's bad for us in the family. Sexual problems. Why don't you ask something hard, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's such a scary one for, you know, all of a sudden you've got this child that was your child and now they're an adult's body and God made adult bodies to be ready for sex and so the body's ready for sex but the mind and the soul are not ready and so you have kids especially today in an internet age anything from internet porn to crazy dating things to sexuality with other kids with our culture these days you know the the line has been pushed further and further away about what's okay and I always have a couple of suggestions for parents and the first one is to be as safe as you can so you find out as much as you can. Um, if you come in with the law and that's all they hear, they're going to talk to somebody else. But you want to let them know this is not so that you can punish them. You want to find out. And also, what need is that child getting met that needs to be met in some other way? For example, so many kids are acting out sexually because they feel lonely and they're disconnected and isolated. Or some are doing that way because they feel like they have no choices. And in sexuality, you've got choices and power. Or they have to be this perfect kid and they don't have a place to be real. And so sexuality is a way to be real. And if you dig underneath and look at the sexuality as a symptom, you find out that we can cure the problem. Very, very good section on that, too. When I, when I read that, I really appreciated what you had to say. Cutting and self-mutilation, I realize I'm using some of the crises. All of yours aren't on crises, but this is one that uh, we don't have a lot of input and answers on, and yet parents are saying, what, what is the deal? This feels like it's a new thing happening over the last four or five years. 
has been happening longer. You and I know that. But what what is going on when a kid uh, or one of their friends is cutting themselves? Well, it's easiest to interpret as a cry for help. The, the, the kid is saying one of several things. One is, I don't feel like I'm real. This feels real. Now I feel like I exist. I mean, some kids feel so dis- detached and disconnected from themselves. It's the only way they can feel like they're alive. Another one is, it's a reflection. It's a symbol. You know, our Lord's Supper that we have and, and, um, and baptism are symbols of our faith. Well, kids think in symbols also. And so a lot of times a kid will cut because the inner pain is not being reflected on the outside. And when you cut, it's sort of like, okay, now I'm consistent. I'm on the outside what I am on the inside. And with other kids, it's just I, I want to get somebody's attention because I'm lost in the crowds. This is the kid that gets sort of you never notice them when they're in the shadows. And this is their way of saying, please pay attention here. Right. And in many ways, you do have to pay attention. This is where you need to get an assessment uh, by a, somebody who really knows what they're talking about. That's one of, of the 25. That's There are several of those, Jim. You're right, right. that where you want to say, this is going to take somebody with experience. Right. This yeah. is one of those. Exactly. And cutting is definitely not something we parents can ignore. And I'm afraid too many parents are doing that today. I appreciate you bringing that up. Now, one of the common aspects, we've been talking about it for this program and last program, is that kids are moving from dependence to independence. And they have to own their own uh, responsibilities and things like that, obviously. But they also have to own their own faith. And so so God and spirituality um, is a very interesting season with adolescence. Talk to us about that. Well, it's really important for that child to have room. You don't want them to have a carbon copy clone kind of thing of their of your own faith because then they'll never go through, you know, we talked about Jacob wrestling. They'll never go through their wrestling with God where you're around. So it's really important to not only to make sure that your faith is sound and the kid knows what you believe about worship and doctrine and those sorts of things, but do they have somewhere else to go to where they can talk about their faith and you're not around so that they can work that out? That's why we believe so strongly in youth groups with really good uh, mentors and counselors that are more their age. And what they do is they work out all those issues. I remember the, I was a junior high leader of a small group and my kids were in small groups and they weren't in my small group because in our church you can't be in your child's small group for obvious reasons and so I was working with my own kids about their faith issues in life and we get back in the van I bring my kids back and we're, we're going back home so I, and I'd say how was small group and they'd say we're not telling you <laughs> and I thought oh yeah that's it was probably about me <laughs> and how rigid or controlling or whatever I was but I found that my kids like school, like church, and they have their own worship, which is different than ours and my, my wife's in, in certain ways. But that's what I meant by ownership. And every grown-up's got to do that. You, you kind of pick and choose from your parents what's real and what's right and what's true and what's not true. And, you know, there's certain parameters we believe to that. But you've got to f- figure that out. If you don't do that, you'll never have a deep and authentic faith. And so be a parent that has room for that. Great way to end uh, our conversation. I need to stop and just say thank you. Thank you for writing this book. Thank you for doing what you do. Thanks, Jim. Well, Dr. John Townsend with us again, and I appreciate so much his wisdom and his insight. He really has established himself as one of the nation's leading experts in the areas of setting healthy boundaries and relationships, and his book is a great one. Well, the book is called Boundaries in Teens by Dr. John Townsend. It's a book that Dr. Jim Burns highly recommends, and uh, you can learn more about it and John's ministry when you go to homeward.com. Also, remember, Dr. Jim Burns has written a couple of fine books on parenting as well. 
confident parenting and the 10 building blocks for a solid family, two that come to mind. Also, teenology, if you're talking about boundaries and teens. When you go to homeward.com, visit our online resource center and you can purchase any of the books that Jim Burns has written directly from our Homeward Resource Center. And when you do, a portion of the proceeds actually goes to help support the ministry of Homeward. And here at the end of the year, we're in December now and uh, grateful for your faithful financial support all throughout the year. But especially now, if you can give a gift of $100 or $500, even $1,000 or more to support our ministry, we would appreciate hearing from you. And you can send that through the mail to Homeward, Post Office Box 1600, San Juan Capistrano, California, the zip code 92693. Now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.